Shalom everyone and welcome to Rise on Fire. Today we're going to be talking about the gift of speaking in tongues. And we're also going to be showing some clips of the casting out of demons with the gift of speaking in tongues. So if you have any kids nearby, I just want to give you that notice if you wouldn't want them to see that. Um, so today uh, I have Christina joining me and um, we're excited to talk about this topic. We're talking about speaking in tongues in a fashion today that's going to be a conversation. Mm. In other words, this is not an academic investigation. Okay, If you are interested in learning about what speaking in tongues academically looks like when looking at scripture verse by verse, I have done a series called the Speaking in Tongues series where I, where I go through all the verses in the Bible with speaking in tongues and just investigate that. So please go check that out if you're interested in that as well. But as for today, we're just going to have a chat about this gift. Mm. Um, the reason that we are here talking about it is because there's something that happened about two weeks ago um, that has happened before, but happened again um, that I witnessed, which was amazing. And that is that I was dealing with um, a person who had a demon manifest in him. And what happened ended up happening is that this demon, I spoke in tongues in the deliverance and the demon heard me speak in tongues, trembled by that and left the person as I spoke in tongues to it. Okay, now this has happened before um, in my life. I And this is not voluntarily, oh, I'm going to go out and do this, how, something like that. But in my life, I have had various encounters with demons, casting them out. And the first time this actually happened was when I was visiting a church. And um, I'm going to play this clip for you in a moment here. But as we visited this church, we baptized a lot of the people in the church. We had a nice baptism pool outside, and a little pool blew up and like a blow up pool. And we were baptizing people. And, and as we baptized people, they started manifesting these demons. And it was quite shocking because mm. we probably baptized about 20, 25 people that night. And almost all of them manifested these demons. And if anyone has ever gone through that, um, one thing I will tell you, the experience was amazing and wonderful, but it was the most tiring thing that I've ever done in my life. Okay, so tiring because, you know, when Jesus said, who touched me because power went out from me, right. when that woman who was bleeding touched him, his garment. Right. Okay, now imagine doing that, but like 20, 30 times over, okay? Um, when you are working in deliverance and you're casting out demons, there is that that fatigue that comes upon our bodies. Okay, and so as I was casting out these, these demons, I'll be honest. When I got to number fifteen, the person number fifteen, uh, I started getting kind of tired, and and at that moment, it's kind of hard to even keep your mind straight about what you're praying anymore, and like as you're speaking and. And so what I just did is, oh, Lord, I'm so tired. Lord, help me. I was praying in my, in my heart and I just started speaking in tongues because I had no more energy in my my carnal mind to say words of English. And as I spoke in tongues 
to these demons, and as the Spirit led me to do this, they came out just, in fact, I would argue, even easier and quicker than as I was speaking with my mere English words to them. And this night, as this was happening, and after it all was done over, done and over with, I, I was quite like I'm taken aback by this. You know, I, I didn't expect that to happen. In, I didn't plan it, but it happened. Right. And I was like, okay, that was really interesting. I didn't expect the gift of tongues to have such an impact or do anything like that. But demons seem to know what it's what it is or what it's doing, and and whatever it is and whatever it's doing, it was really irritating them to the right. point where they were even leaving people. Let me let me play this for you guys before I say anything further and, and you can have a look at this clip. I'm sorry if there was ever a preacher that painted such an insignificant picture of Yeshua as to let you believe that you could continue living the same life after me. So as you can see, all right, these demons were leaving. They were being cast out. If you see any good fruit there, this was happening by me speaking in tongues, okay? Another example was, uh, I remember there was a lady who was in witchcraft. This was back in South Africa. I uh, had a lot of history in that. She came to us, and as we casted out the demons out of her, she had many. And there was also speaking in tongues that happened there, and the demons also were leaving because of that. Um, so, you know, when we consider this, you know, even as strange as it sounds, you know, I know some people could, could tell me, oh, well, um, PD, you know, where's that in the Bible, you know? Right. Or I disagree with the way that you think practicing tongues, what you, how you're doing it. But I guess I want to just jump in really quick and kind of raise the question. If the demons tremble, if the demons leave when you speak in tongues, that's a good thing. We should be celebrating oh, yeah. that. And then is it you? Is it your flesh? Speaking these tongues, it's causing them to leave? Of course not. The demons would not leave if it's your flesh saying gibberish, like actual garbly gook. It's something more. That's why they are so afraid, and that's why they leave. And the casting out of demons is the area where Yeshua, where Jesus drew, drew a line in the sand and said, this is the work of my Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Remember when he was casting out the demons, the Pharisees, certain Pharisees came and said, he's doing this by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Right. He tells them that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, whenever demons are being cast out, like I just did, you know, he's right. referring to, that is God's kingdom doing that because mm -hmm. Satan is not going to cast out Satan. Right, and I think that's a, a blind spot that some of us might have not even realized that we have. We see this, it looks strange. Well, that can't be God because that's not what my understanding of this, this gift is or what I think it should look like. Well, if it's not God, then who is it? Right. And Satan wouldn't cast himself out. Yeah. So Yeah, Jesus made that abundantly clear. So we have that now. And, you know, you, you know, I understand that the the thought though you know well you know well jesus didn't do that jesus just said come out you know, mm. jesus just said hey demons come out and, and the demons came out and that's true but it's not always in scripture that simple either um the disciples try to cast out uh those demons and they didn't want to leave and eventually you know this is in matthew 17 uh the they came to yeshua and they asked well why didn't they come out and he said but some come out but by prayer and fasting right in other words there's fasting involved prayer involved to prepare ourselves for that and then there is also but by prayer in other words 
sometimes it's necessary for us to pray in the moment yeah. to discover various sometimes there's various facets to this i believe uh, either to discover bondages and allegiances that have been sworn by this person to satan's kingdom which those need to be rejected so that this demons can so that this demon can leave what we mean by that is like doors that someone has opened in their life whether it is doors to lust and sexual immorality or sexual temptation or rage or, or, or fear opening the door to like, you know, we've talked about in another video we did, if you watch a lot of horror films, what unclean spirits are you allowing in your home? And when you have these doors that are open, you don't even realize they're there and then there's stuff going on in your life. These doors need to be closed. Right, and, and so when he says some come out but by prayer and fasting, um, what makes us believe that when he says, but by prayer, that does not include praying in tongues? Mm. You know, so I think it's absolutely possible that that includes praying in tongues, just like it includes praying in English and praying in whatever language. If praying in tongues is a gift, spiritual gift given by the Father, right. um, it can be exercised. And Yeshua did give us, give us authority to pray for demons to leave as right. well. Yeah. yeah. So jumping into that now, I know a lot of people have this I understanding of this gift of tongues that maybe it's something we learned in the church or you know we've been taught this idea that the gift of tongues is only speaking an earthly language. So if you are to act and to speak in a tongue, it has to be an earthly language alone. I guess the one does that make sense? <laughs> the one question I want to raise with that is, okay, you know, that's, that's an interesting thought. Let's run with that for a moment. So say that the gift of tongues is only an earthly language. Mm -hmm. That you and don't know. That you don't know. Mm -hmm. So say that the father wants you to speak in Swahili. Do you know Swahili? No. So if you were to speak it out, would it sound like gibberish to you? You know, I'm from South Africa and we had like 10 official languages and <laughs> most of them sound absolutely gibberish. Right. But also the next question I would want to ask and to explore this concept of it's only an earthly language. Okay, so we've now established that an earthly language that you don't know will still sound like the gibberish that you've maybe rejected. Okay. Mm -hmm. But now also, if you believe that the gift of tongues does exist as only an earthly language... Have you ever opened your mouth to begin speaking? Have you practiced it yourself? Have you ever practiced? Because how will you ever know this other, how will you ever experience this unless you first open your mouth to mm. speak whatever the Father puts into your mouth? Yeah, it's an interesting point. How will you practice, and this is a, a real question, like if that is our belief, how do you practically right. practice this gift? Because I don't believe that this refers to a download of, oh, now I can suddenly speak Chinese. That's not the gift of tongues. Mm -hmm. Because Paul describes it as being, uh, my spirit is speaking and my mind is unfruitful. In other words, your mind does not learn a new language. That's not, I'm not saying God can't do that, but that's not this gift right. of tongues. And so, so the mind is totally unfruitful. You're opening your mouth and you're speaking. speaking. Yeah. While the mind is unfruitful, how, I mean, how do you do that? Like, and and how do you do that without sounding like many would criticize mm. gibberish? Um, I want to submit, and also let's just take another step back, practically speaking. Right. 
how do you practically, if there's someone in front of you, let's just say um, this is a, a Chinese or someone who speaks a different language and you feel impressed in your heart and you need to speak in tongues to them. This is what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. How do you do that? Right. If you've never done it before because you've always believed, no, 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 it's, I can't open my mouth to speak something that I don't understand because that's gibberish and it's only a different language. Well, what if in that moment God actually would have loved to use you to speak in that person's language, but you have not allowed yourself to open your mouth to even let him speak through you in whatever way that he would desire, if in that moment in Chinese, if in that moment, one of the heavenly tongues that Paul talks about. And this is, I'm just going to make an observation here, Brown Church, a loving observation, not as a criticism, but yeah. but people who who do hold this viewpoint that tongues is exclusively for speaking in another language and that there does not exist a spiritual language, a prayer language mm. that is deep and wonderful and where Paul describes it as being where one speaks not to men but to God for no man understands him. Right. Okay, That's what I believe. There is another facet. The facet that we're talking about exists, but also there's a facet of what we're now saying of a spiritual language, a prayer mm -hmm. language. And here my observation has simply been that people who believe that there's no such thing as a spiritual prayer language, they themselves do not practice the gift of tongues because in their their mindset of what it's supposed to look like, that is not a mindset that has ever came into reality because it is not reality. They don't practice it themselves because they cannot based on the theology they believe. Mm. And they don't know people themselves personally who practices it according to their own theology. Right. The only people who do practice the gift of tongues today are people who fully understand it and, well, who who say they do, in, in the ways of, well, there's two facets. There is speaking in another language. Amen to that. Yes. A real earthly foreign language. God has Absolutely. done that, like in the book of Acts. Amen to that. But then there's also the aspect of when of, of personal prayer language to God when there is no one else who understands it. Right. And that but then you know, there's a lot we can go into with that. So I encourage you to watch my video. Mm -hmm. But just surface level, you know, just some things to think about regarding this gift. Right. Um, Paul said a few things. Do not quench the spirit. He said in one Thessalonians five nineteen, do not quench the spirit. He also said in 1 Corinthians 15, 39, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Okay, And then 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So another question, we need to look through the eyes mm -hmm. of the Bible here. Are you in what you believe about the gift of tongues in a position where you can be like Paul, where you speak in tongues often, consistently, more than anyone else, like he said? Or does your definition of the gift of tongues make it to become this extremely rare thing that happens once every 500 years that is not common or pra common practice at all? Because if it is that extremely mm. rare kind of thing, then that's not in line with what the Bible clearly says it is and was, right. as something Paul often did and practiced, something that is another spiritual practice in his arsenal of things that he did. Just like we often can pray for healing, we can mm -hmm. often pray in tongues. Amen. Yeah, so um, so I guess, you know, another thing that we can talk about is that, you know, when it comes to speaking in tongues, and 
you know, we can now talk about this, oh, the demons, you know, how did, how, how could that happen? Um, I have a theory, okay, on, on how that happens and how, why the demons have submitted to that. To that. Mm-hmm. And it is simply because speaking in tongues is a language that is, like we briefly mentioned, a spiritual language that the mind is, un- the carnal mind is unfruitful in. And it's bypassed. And basically the spirit utters directly through us. And now many people would say, well, that sounds weird. And they would say it similarly to the people in the book of Acts chapter 2 who say they sound drunk when they were speaking in tongues the first time ever. Right. But it's, and it's true. It's very true. It does sound weird. It does sound strange. But it's that's kind of expected because... When we're talking about a language that is not understood by your flesh, that the flesh does not interpret, that means that your flesh will be weirded out, be like, I don't know what it means. It doesn't make sense. I I don't like it. Well, yes, because it's a spiritual act that your flesh doesn't understand. But that doesn't mean that basically what I'm saying is when you hear someone speak in tongues, what you're hearing is what is being produced by what what they're what they're expressing by their mouth as the spirit utters through them, but your ear is connected to your brain and that doesn't understand what is coming out. Okay, because it's not for that to interpret. That's why you need a spiritual gift of interpretation to even be able to interpret what someone is saying when they're speaking in the gift of tongues. Right, and in regards to the demons trembling or the demons coming out of a person when you speak in tongues is because like you said it's bypassing your mind and what words you can think to formulate to pray over someone and it's really just the holy spirit coming out and speaking through you no limitations of the flesh right and exactly what needs to be said in that moment is said because it's bypassing what your mind could have thought of or could be aware of and it's you can say taking the battle to a second a deeper and a higher level yeah, that's In good that because our, our mind, you know, we pray and we say and we think a lot of things that just aren't necessarily as direct as it should be and it's to the point as it yeah. should be. And some things we're not aware of, yeah. but the spirit is. Yeah. And when we allow him to speak through us. Yeah. What if yeah. there is a way for you to speak to a demon and address things while speaking to this demon that you in your mind and your carnal mind have don't have the knowledge of. Right. But because the spirit is speaking through you, the demon knows exactly what is being said to it. And now it has to obey because it's coming from the mind of God. Right. And it's the, the authority that you have through that Holy Spirit that's a directly addressing that demon and he has to flee. Mm. Amen. Now, I want to just jump into this. The question that probably, you know, many have is. But this is weird and I've seen it, this gift of tongues being used in really weird, strange, unbiblical ways. And that is a major stumbling block to a lot of people wanting to even look into this gift of tongues. We've kind of pushed it under the rug a bit. We believe in praying for healing. We believe in some of these other gifts, but tongues, that's the weird one. That's like the, 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 the one you kind of just shove away. And why do you think that is? Oftentimes, um, people are riddled with bad experiences when it comes to this gift. So when we, and even more so probably than other gifts, and maybe there is something to that. Maybe the enemy has been trying to confuse people with 
this, to turn them away from it. Because while mm -hmm. believers operating in this gift powerfully is one of his worst nightmares. Mm -hmm. If I look at how demons respond, I would say so. This is my opinion. But um, so I, I think that when we look at this, um, we need to make sure that our and look, I'm not denounce. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's not valuable to understand that you've had bad experiences or to acknowledge that. And I am, I'm, and just by the way, I am really sorry for anyone who has had bad experiences with any spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it be in a Pentecostal church or wherever. They have been used. They have taken some of these gifts, and at times humans have warped them from what. They are meant to be biblically, right. and you know we see that, and we have yeah. seen that at times. And that's legit. Yeah, yeah. When you experience that, it's easy for us to be like, "Well, I don't want anything to do with that because that right. doesn't look biblical to me." But can we ever risk throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Yeah, that's the thing. Is oftentimes um, those who, if I may, come against this gift or forbid speaking in tongues, etc. Um, they are, when you start speaking to them, you'll quickly realize that they have had a very, very bad experience. And then now they're speaking from this very bad experience because that's coloring everything they know and think about when they think about this gift. And so they really don't want it to exist anymore. Now, you know, I, I understand this, but however, we have to be intellectually honest with ourselves right. when we have a bad experience that have maybe possibly colored our vision. Yeah. Because ultimately, um, we have to go on simply what the Bible said. We need to go on, and the Bible didn't make any doesn't make any um, hint at that this gift has ceased or changed or become less prominent than what it what it's supposed to be and was right. in the Bible. Um, so, I want to submit to you that when we read it, like I've mentioned in, in past times, when we read the Bible, we have very we have many assumptions we make about what it's supposed to look like when we think about a gift. Yeah. Because that's just human nature. You, you 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 read a story to your child at his bedtime. He's got his imagination going and he thinks about all kinds of pictures of what this story looked like. But right. you have a different picture in your mind. And so when we read our Bible, we sometimes have a picture of what things look like. That's actually not exactly the way it was in reality. Right. And we have to be open to the fact that when we start actually experiencing, walking out what the Bible says we should, that that we may experience things to be a little different than the way we imagined. Right. Yeah. And like we have in the scripture, when Yeshua cast out the, the seven demons from Mary Magdalene, it doesn't go into great detail what those demons were, how it happened, how long it took. It could have been instantaneous. It could have been, you know, a little bit longer of a prayer. We don't know. The scripture doesn't focus on that because the focus is she was set free. Mm. She is valuable. She is loved. Yeshua came to her and set her free. And the demons were cast out. Mm, that's very really good. And so, you know, I think that what we also just need to touch on here is, is the role that experience does play. Um, you know, when we say, when we think about someone, like, let's make another yeah. example. Let's say someone who is a Christian, a believer, they come to us and they say, well, look, um, I have studied this, the fourth commandment, the yeah, Sabbath. The Sabbath yeah. I, I know what it says mm -hmm. about it. I know every verse in the Bible about it. Um, but they themselves do not keep the commandment. Okay, let's just say that's what's happening. Um, when this is happening, we would tell them, you know, if only you knew how valuable this is. Right. And if only you kept it once, you would discover how valuable it is. 
Right, by walking it, is, it out and experiencing it. It is because you've mm-hmm. not done it before that you will say, yes, I know everything about it, but I don't believe we should be doing it. It's a right. curse. It's a bondage. It's it's all these bad things. And we only say that because we'll be, obviously you haven't practiced it. You don't know what you're missing mm-hmm. out on. And anyone who does it, even in oftentimes, by the way, they don't do it because of bad experiences, because of they were maybe a Seventh-day Adventist. Right. And the Seventh-day Adventist church that they were in taught it wrongly and it became a bondage like the pharisees who came against yeshua taught it wrongly or they had some bad experience with people who were to use the phrase maybe a torah terrorist someone who was kind of hitting them over the head with that torah scroll you need to keep these commands and instead of a a loving compassionate way speaking truth and love as yeshua did there was pride arrogance self-righteousness and all of this and a Christian or a believer who is not yet keeping this command looks at that person's example and says, you know what, if that's what it means to keep the Sabbath, that I'm going to look like you with the pride, with the lack of love that you have. I don't want anything to do with it. That's a bad experience. But again, do we go on keeping the word of God based on what someone else and how someone else keeps it and their sinful nature and the things they say and do that don't line up with God's word? Or do we simply go back to God's word and say, okay, what does God say? How is it supposed to be done? Right. So we would say like, we would see, for example, that um, when we start keeping this up, if we realize that, oh, um, man, the first time I keep it, I, I didn't prepare at all. I don't have any groceries in my house. I don't have any, you know, I don't have food to eat. <laughs> yeah. Because by the way, there's actually this thing where you need to probably make sure you've got everything in order so you don't have to really work a lot on the day. So you can really rest. That means you need to do some extra work on a Friday or a, earlier in the week. But you find that out as you go along. Yes. You don't realize it the first time, but then as you go along, you learn, oh, there's some more stuff there that I didn't realize at first. Exactly. But yet, and yeah. I want to submit to you that, and see, that's not in Scripture. Scripture doesn't say, make sure you buy all your groceries before Sabbath, or yeah. make sure you... Yeah, it, it has about the gathering the manna, but that's, well, that was back then. It's pictures. How does it, we, how do we it has show pictures it to us today? For Exactly, us. yeah. It has pictures, but unless you do it, you realize, oh, okay, right. this is how we actually do it. And right. it's impossible to really fully understand the nuances of Scripture and what Scripture actually was saying unless you've actually done it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's what the manna... Is actually teaching us. Right, you know? exactly. Um, and so in the same way, I want to submit to you that with speaking in tongues, it's the same. Like if you don't practice it or you don't have uh, talk, haven't talked to people who have, you will struggle to understand the nuances of Scripture because Paul is speaking to a congregation, the Corinthians, who are practicing the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. And they know what it looks like. They know what it, they know the nuances. So when you read his letter to the Corinthians, but you've not experienced what the Corinthians have experienced, how will you fully be able to grasp the gift of tongues? You will know it on an intellectual level, yeah. and it's a good foundation, certainly. But it's not the full, you won't have the full picture yet. Right, just like someone who keeps the sa- or who understands everything there is to know about Sabbath according to Scripture, how the ancient Israelites kept Sabbath, all the cultural traditions, they know everything there is to know about keeping Sabbath, but they've never once kept it they're going to be missing quite a lot, actually, simply by not having yet done it themselves. Mm, that's good. So, brothers and sisters, as we get to the conclusion of this, you know, there's one observation that I have found that has troubled me. And it is that, you know, some people have told me, when I came to, you know, before I came to this full Bible believing movement, 
I was active in walking in the spirit. I wanted to pray for the sick. I wanted to speak in tongues. I in, in prophecy and all these these wonderful movings of the spirit was a big part of my life, right? But when I came into the whatever you want to call it, um, full Bible movement, um, and I experienced things and all those things started falling away. I, I, I lost that part of it. I lost the speaking tongues. I lost the gift of healing. I lost the gift of prophecy. I lost the word of knowledge and all that, et cetera, et cetera. And that breaks my heart because you know what that, that does is if I'm someone from outside looking into mm-hmm. this new movement of God, and I see everyone who enters it loses out the the, the, the movings of the spirit in their in their in their lives in that way. Yeah. What I can incorrectly deduct is say, well, look, the fruit of this movement is it is robbing people of the Holy Spirit, and, right. and even though it's not true, it's not true, but that is what so many have experienced, and there is a reason to that. There are some in the movement who have forbid speaking in tongues who have criticized it who have made who basically let's just say like this that it would make me feel uncomfortable to speak in tongues in the presence of some people because they i know that they are judging that they are coming at me whether if it's physically actually or just in their thoughts there's this atmosphere that is in some circles some not all but some circles created an atmosphere of quenching the Holy Spirit. And if we are to be a movement of people, a movement of God that is going to be bringing about this truth that he has revealed to the world, we need the demonstration of the Spirit above all else. And I'm saying this because that's what the Bible says. Moses needed the demonstration of the Spirit when he headed to Pharaoh and when he headed to um, Israel when they were enslaved in Egypt. It was by the wonders of God that Pharaoh let God's people go. Yeshua showed the world who he was and the disciples were shown to be who they were as his disciples by the demonstrations of the spirit. Paul even went on to say that I don't come to you with wise words and knowledge and just truth, but I came to you with the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not rest in man, but in God in the spirit of God. And so it is, I'm saying this because we cannot afford to quench the spirit if it is him that we need to rely on above all else to be fr- uh, fr- to, 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 to be seen as fruitful to the world mm-hmm. and to be seen as a movement sent by God to the world. Right. I mean, Yeshua says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, it is he who, bear good for, who can bear good fruit. Right. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we ever get so caught up in striving to know about God, what we think we'll know about God, but we we forget to get to know God, to have an intimate relationship, to know his voice, to desire his Holy Spirit. Do we ever get so caught up in seeking after information without transformation, without allowing yeah. the Holy Spirit to fill us up to the brim, to overflowing. So even like Yeshua went to the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, he could come to her in love and in compassion and truth, but also in the gift of the Spirit, in this case, the word of knowledge, telling her something he should not have known. Woman, you have had five husbands, yeah. giving her living waters that set her free and that she could go back to her town proclaiming the Messiah. Are we quenching any of these things in our walk? Are we, are we lifting up 
our own understandings, our own biases, our own prejudices from bad experiences, our own knowledge above God and what his word says. Yeah, you know, and uh, I would end it off with saying that, you know, we are not saying today here that everyone must speak in tongues. We're not saying that everyone must do this or that gift all the time and be their pre- mm. their prevalent main gift. Mm. Um, I'm, I mean, I would wish for us all to grow in multiple spiritual gifts. And I think that that's what Yeshua emulated. And I think that that's what the disciples emulated. We see that they, and Paul, for example, right. these men of God operated in multiple spiritual gifts. They did not limit themselves and say, oh, well, that's for that other guy. Right. That's not for me. Right. That's for her. That's not for me. Um, we we grow and we do have our strengths. We do have our callings, the ones that God really placed in our lives and be like, this is the one he wants you to excel in. This right. is the one he wants you to use you in. And that's wonderful. But if we quench the spirit, mm-hmm. in other words, if we say we forbid speaking in tongues or we totally criticize that and we make people uncomfortable who try and do that around us, what we will end up doing is we will quench the spirit in our lives, generally speaking. Right. And that's why oftentimes people who quench the spirit in terms of forbidding speaking in tongues just as an example you will find that in their lives they struggle to walk in other gifts of the holy spirit spiritual gifts Um, because it's all interconnected you quench one part of holy spirit and you quench him and this is not just us saying this you know it sounds really heavy this is something to ask yourself if you have decided that tongues is is that weird gift and you don't really want anything to do with it ask yourself do you walk in the other gifts of the holy spirit all right everyone i hope that this has blessed you and maybe given you a few things to ponder um go home and pray about some of the things we've said we've spoken about our experiences things that have happened things that i've learned over the years and just line it up with scripture go look at what the bible says and if you would like more me going through more Bible with this gift of tongues head to head, then go have a look at our speaking in tongues series. I hope that this has blessed you. May Father bless you, keep you, shine his face upon you, lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you shalom and may he give you blessings. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next video. Many blessings and shalom. Shalom.